Right, we're back with, I think, I say this now at the start of every fucking episode, which has become my signature. Um, episode nine, I think, of the Midnight Pod. And we have Natasha, who is going to give us an intro in a second. But like with every episode, we were speaking for like an hour nearly. Well, maybe not an hour, but like four. an hour? Probably 45 minutes odd yeah. prior to starting this, which is definitely like the longest like pre-podcast podcast we've done without recording. Um, and she asked me, like, do I research my guests and the answer is definitely fucking not maybe because i just don't have enough time yet i'm not good at this stuff but um first female guest oh my god i'm honored am i actually the first guy first female yeah Yeah. i'm just just thinking back but i mean we've only done nine episodes but just leave it at first female so i can feel proud of myself yeah so again still rinsing like friends and friends of friends and we are like we don't really know each other that well i mean yeah i would say like i know roughly what you do um, but this podcast is an excuse to get to know what you do in your story a bit better, really. So I guess the first question, as always, is just kind of freestyle us on, not literally, but just like tell us about <laughs> your background and where you... So I, obviously, like my summary is, I, I just said to someone earlier, someone asked like, what does this guest do? And I was like, oh, she makes loads of money with like LinkedIn. <laughs> but I just don't so fucking know beyond that. So. Um, I'll give you like a kind of an intro to what I do currently and like the work life stuff. And then if you want to get into like childhood and background, like I'm happy to speak about it. Yeah. What I do now is I'm a LinkedIn consultant. So I have a marketing agency and we basically work with B2B companies and help them generate leads on LinkedIn. That's literally what we do mm. in a nutshell. Um, we do some done for you services. So we do it on behalf of some of our clients, but I would say 80% is info products and like group coaching clients. So just been working on like a new info product, which is high ticket group coaching with pre-recorded modules. That's my main focus right now to move away from the agency done for you stuff and go more towards info. Yeah. Um, aside from that, like I've spoken to you a little bit about it, but my passion project is more so what I'm working on the side and that's not out yet. So I'm not speaking too much about it, but the LinkedIn company is something that I've been working on for, I think four years now. And I can get into like how oh, I shit. got into that before. It's been ages, mm, it's gone so, so fast, but I'm at a place with that now, fortunately where it's pretty good in terms of cash flow, And it's more so like a support for me to be able to then say, what am I actually passionate about? Like, I love LinkedIn, but I don't wake up in the morning. I think, you know, I can't wait to generate these. LinkedIn, I feel like it's becoming Facebook now. Uh, I go on LinkedIn, I just see people posting like their dogs and shit. Kind of, like it has been a little bit mixed up. my side of LinkedIn? Maybe you're following the wrong people, I don't know. But no, like that is a good point. And like LinkedIn has changed. Like it used to be primarily just like business stuff. It's good that people are starting to have a sense of humor on it and like have like a comedy Mm. element as well but it's still not a Facebook. Like it's, Facebook is where you put like the memes and like what you had for breakfast and like yeah. things that your family care about. Your professional network doesn't really give a shit. Um, so don't post it. Like if people aren't gonna care about it on LinkedIn, I like, don't put it there. That's like an easy way to know what kind of content to post. Yeah. But yeah, like the LinkedIn company, like super fortunate that I have that, but mainly right now it's kind of a jumping board for me to say, okay, well, I can take this money, like hire a few people to like do the more management stuff for, stuff for me there. So I can spend like five hours a week on it. But then the rest of the time I can go and like build something meaningful, which is going to fulfill me and like be part of my purpose to not sound like every cliche um, entrepreneur. And what is that? You can't speak about that. Well, yeah, I can, I can. Um, 
How long does this take to go out? A few weeks. Yeah, I so think, like it'll yeah, probably be like three. three. Weeks. I'm 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 pretty ahead on episodes now. Yeah, are you? Yeah. <laughs> so it'll probably be just before we launch that this will this will come out. Um first phase of it is the podcast, but long term it's a media company and it's within the edutainment sector. So basically combining entertainment with education mm. and creating content which is informative but it still has that dopamine hit. Um to basically encourage young creatives, entrepreneurs, those that maybe are not going through a traditional like academic system or they might have done, but now they don't wanna go and work under somebody else who wanna do their own thing. We wanna have a bunch of people come on who are our guests, which are basically like business influencers. Mm. So people that come on, they've got a story to tell, but it's like behind the numbers. So if you've got like a million, two million followers, that's great in terms of a vanity metric, but what was your journey to get there? Similar with like financial success, like with any of your companies or the people that we know, it's like Mm. to get to six figures to seven figures, there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes, which is like the good, the bad and the ugly, which people don't speak about the bad stuff. Yeah, Yeah, so we kind of want to uncover people's stories um, and like inspire and educate at the same time. And that company and who I want it to support is basically like me three years ago. Like when I didn't mm. feel like I had people to look up to or like a role model that was yeah, somebody that I could relate to. So that's why the company means something to me is because it's built for me in the past. So I'm hoping that yeah, other people I, are gonna- I kind of feel like everyone's jumping on the pod- podcast bandwagon, <laughs> include myself. Yeah. yeah, I kind of feel like that about this to be fair. Which just mean? And it's just as in like, yeah, I'm making content that I would have watched, I suppose. Yeah, like, like and your, I just your enjoy doing brother. it, to be honest, yeah. I definitely enjoy doing the podcast more than working on my new brand recently. I've because, been the same than like I mean, with the new thing. This isn't monetized, like we were just saying, but yeah. Because of Saren. <laughs> but you could monetize Well, yeah, fuck that. I just, yeah. Would you merch? I, I was actually thinking about potentially an angle on that. Not like fucking t-shirts, but. No. Yeah. There's a lot of things you could do with like a small passionate audience, but mm-hmm. yeah, podcast is interesting. Yeah. So that's cool. Do you reckon you do that alongside the LinkedIn thing? Or is the plan to like suck that off entirely? I'm gonna. Or is it pending like that doing well or whatever? I'm going to stay with the LinkedIn thing. I think having one foot in that world is good for in terms of like just business wise. Like it's good to keep me grounded. Mm. Um, I'm not sure if I am allowed to mention this. I'll, I'll not mention it in detail, but like I do a little bit of work with LinkedIn directly. Oh, yeah. um, and like there's like more opportunities that are coming up where I'm getting to be more involved with like campaigns that they're running. And I find it interesting to be a part of that. So it does keep me like not just for social proof, but like people knowing that I do know what I speak about. Like I don't want to be somebody who yeah, has a podcast yeah, yeah. and like launches this media company. And it's like, well, who is Natasha? Like, who is she to think that she can advise and tell people what works and doesn't work? Mm. So the LinkedIn company, I am going to keep it there, but my goal is to remove myself from it as much as possible by building like systems and people that can replace me. Yeah. It's kind of the same with me to be fair. We're just speaking about, I mean, this podcast in general, but yeah, I'm, st- I'm still in the e-com game. I, I launched that course, but yeah, I've still done more in e-com than anyone else selling a fucking course. So, yeah. And I'm still doing it. So it's very true. Like staying in the game, I think it just keeps like the content more relevant as well. Exactly. Like, in a way. I mean, I always think like if I was like a full-time podcaster, hypothetically, I probably wouldn't have as much to like spark conversations with potential guests and yeah. myself. Like what would I speak about? I mean, I don't know, obviously you, you effectively become like a presenter at that point, but yeah. yeah it's probably more interesting but what about like impulsive like logan paul yeah like true. mike Majlak. i don't know if that's how you say his last name sorry mike but um 
like they just do full-time content but like mm. they probably have like six-figure budgets for each episode as well like they're yeah. flying around they've got it's not like just them that has to be interesting it's the environment around them and the people that they're with yeah so it's like if you've got the budget and you just go and do like burger ratings like who wouldn't want to do that like i'd love to do that but they they just make it out of like being themselves and being a character and an yeah I, I guess they well logan paul particularly I, I know the other guy less but yeah i guess he started being he started as an entertainer didn't he yeah so like what was he ultimately that is like his that's like his equivalent to me like ecom yeah or your linkedin yeah thing. did he do anything before he started what know. he's doing like i actually don't so know what he's time lifetime influencer yeah i think because now it's like, for example, like Nelk Boys, like another oh, example. Oh, I fucking like, love Nelk. Actually, I love I'd love Nelk to get them on. Well. <laughs> they start the podcast as well, obviously. I'd love to get them on, especially both try. Yeah, let's both try. <laughs> um, get Steve on. Yeah, like Nelk Boys. I used to like, watch their shit in like 2015. Awesome. 2015. Maybe, maybe, I think they have a cult I'm not following. sure they had a channel then. Maybe 2016, 17. 20, and they do like probably like seven figures from their merch drops. Oh, eight figures, I reckon. Eight figures. Multi-eight figures. It's mad. Mad. That like, is it's like, actually mental. They're the best example of like a cult following I think right now 100% even beyond like someone like Logan Paul it's, they've got a smaller no, yeah. following but it's more passionate do you think that's because there's more personalities for people to relate to so the audience is wider like they can relate with more people yeah probably or do you think it's because they're just like pra- like they don't really it's almost like because, also because like they're not good looking yeah it's so really, I guess like, they're more relatable they, as well they're just normal yeah they're just normal guys they're average dudes whereas like, a lot of influencers yeah like if they're fucking beautiful then it's less relatable Oh, I feel like we could go into like the unrealistic beauty standards of Instagram. There's a lot of right stuff now. you could go into, to be fair. But yeah, no, Nelka are a mad example, actually, of like. I don't yeah, know how old content. they are. Like 27, I think. Like, I get younger vibes, but I think that's just because it's like the college kind of vibe. Kyle is 27, I think, like the main guy. I think Steve's like yeah. 22. I like the epitome of like uni lad, like yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. locker room talk that uni Ameri- lad was yeah. like based on. It's like American, on, it's like but balls. relatable everywhere. It's yeah. so true. Like we always fucking share now in like the group chat and shit. I love it. What's the the British equivalent would be like? Is it the side men? Yeah, but I feel like speaking to Tyler about the day. Yeah, I feel like yeah. they're not the same. Like I, they're way more. Yeah, well, I don't know. they put out less content in my experience. It's but, different content. Yeah, I yeah. see Nelk's stuff everywhere. Like I don't know how many subs are on on YouTube like now, six but like, mil. but you think huge. they had more? You think they had? I just think they'd have more. Mil. But it is like the cult following. It's like from that, that, yeah. those six mil, like the conversion that they get for their merch compared to other creators yeah, it's is probably mad. huge. And they spend nothing on ads. And also spend. my nerves have gone now, by the way. Like it took like 10 minutes. So I, I was kind of nervous and now I'm good. <laughs> always takes 10 minutes on a pod. Yeah. But yeah, that's tangent number one. But all right, LinkedIn podcast thing, potentially. Mm-hmm. I know you, you have a Spanish sounding second name, but I, I know nothing <laughs> about your background or where you're from and shit. Yeah. How much can we dive into that? Yeah, like I'm I'm like an open book. You can ask me anything and I'll pretty much tell you. But um, my background, so my mum is from Catalonia, which is like like Barcelona, like just north of Barcelona. Yeah. Um, is like the region where my family's from on my mum's side. She moved to London when she was like 20 years old. I'm probably getting this wrong, but like early 20s. Mm-hmm. She used to be like mountaineering, potholing, like super like wilderness kind of kind of gal. She moved here whoops, um, to become a nurse. My mum's a nurse. Is she? Yeah. No way. What kind of, like, do you know what kind of nurse? Like, which? Oh, she used to be a nurse. In? Now she's like a health visitor, but she's also from London. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So, so like, mum was a nurse and she met my dad at a house party, apparently, like, 
my dad was like shouting out the window or something because he was really drunk and then they met at his house party moved to Chesterfield I don't know why Chesterfield because where's Chesterfield? You, exactly that's my point I've never heard of that <laughs> next to Sheffield oh okay. so Sheffield is like north technically yeah it's north and then Chesterfield is technically Midlands like we're just beneath the line of where like you're just Midlands. safe you're, you're just out you're of just the north safe. I'm from the just north safe. it's yeah. all over are you like Yorkshire? York you're from York? Yeah. yeah we're close someone asked me the other day is York in Yorkshire? <laughs> I said, yeah, it yeah, used to be the capital no of shit, England, bro. you ignorant fuck. <laughs> um, but, yeah. So like Chesterfield, small, like I think it's, yeah, it's a town. It's not even a city. Town next to Sheffield. Um, one of those places where it's like, you don't really, if you leave, I would count it as having escaped. And I'm not like mm. taking a hit at anybody that's from Chesterfield, but like personally, it feels like I was in this small town that everybody knows each other. And in my like, kind of like dreams of where I would want to be and how I'd want to live. London, when I thought about it, was a place where I'd be able to walk down the street and like be able to dress how I want to dress, look however I wanted to look because I wouldn't know anybody. Mm. Obviously, when you've lived in London for a few years, you realise that yeah. the circles are actually kind of kind of tight and small. But um, Chesterfield, until I was 20 years old, didn't do great at school. Like I hated school. I would do well in every single circumstance and class and test until it was an actual examination. Yeah. Something about an exam room. Yeah, anxiety just through the roof. Like my mind would go blank. Um, I want to do tests for like ADD or like dyslexia or something because I can't like, I couldn't process like the stuff in front of me. I just panic. So like exams messed them up. Like GCSE was good. A-levels messed them up, like supposed to get really good grades. I'm the exact same. Really? Yeah, I got straight A stars, GCSEs, and I got Bs in my A-levels. Okay, I did worse than my A-levels. Yeah. I was meant to get A-stars. Yeah, mine were even worse than that, but like GCSEs good. A-levels just found them super tough. And I'd set like high expectations on myself in terms of where I wanted to go to uni and like the degrees I wanted to do. And then when I got the results back, you know, that feeling in your stomach mm. where it's just like, you worked really hard and then you just see it and you're like, oh, that kind of hurts. And I retook the year. So I retook the year and got the exact same what, year results. 13? Yeah. How Fuck depressing that. is that's, that? Yeah, so I literally stayed back a year. Um, Why did you retake it? You wanted to go to some uni? Yeah. Cause I wanted to go. So it was like Bristol and Exeter were my top choices. Russell group. Yeah. yeah. Russell groups. I All actually that. still ended up in a Russell group somehow, mm. um, which I didn't have the points for, but like I wanted to do like biology, maybe specialize, do like stem cell tech or something. Results day second time, I was like, fuck. Like my best result is Spanish because I've probably like, half cheated because my mum's yeah. Catalana. Um, and I just went through clearance and I was like, what else would I want to do? My other career that I always wanted to do, and I can say this because it's not going to happen. I really wanted to be a spy. Like I really wanted to work <laughs> yeah, in the MI6, do yeah. intelligence of some sort. And I'd seen That's in mad. the newspapers a few times growing up that like you could apply to the MI5 with a 2-1 or above and a relevant degree. But you can't tell anyone. <laughs> you can't tell anyone. Yeah. You have to be lonely, not have much of a family. So I was like, that I'm an independent person. I could probably do that. So I had a look at the best universities with Russian courses and Queen Mary was one of them and they have a really good Russian department. I got on the phone with the head of the Russian department. And he was like, why do you want to study Russian? And I kind of just bullshitted my way through it. Cause I was like, I just mm. need someone to say yes to me. Like I just need a, a course cause I don't know what, what else I'm going to do. Um, so Queen Mary in London, 
moved down here, did Russian and Hispanics, like Russian abnitio for a year. Fuck so me. tough. I'm not good with languages. I thought I was good with languages until I did Russian. Like it is tough and the grammar is, is difficult. And I just get really like, sh- I just shut down if it's like the spotlight's on me in a class. And I just anxiety. Like I just didn't like going to uni. So I kind of stopped going in to class yeah. and like a few things happened which made me not want to go into uni ended up dropping out and then started working in like different jobs like retail worked in Selfridges for a little bit oh shit I was like living on my friends like sofas kind of hopping around and then got a job doing door-to-door sales so I did that for like six seven what months what the fuck is door-to-door sales like you hear it around about it sounds I, I've like. never known like what were you selling and who for so I was doing B2B door to door. So I wasn't, you have like residential, mm. which is you're going to people's homes, like where they live and you're knocking on the door and selling them something. B2B is where you're going to businesses and you're selling yeah. them something. So the company that I worked for was called Appco. They were like, had an office in Shoreditch and they partnered with different charities. So their clients were like charities. And then on behalf of particular charities, we would go and pitch like direct debits. Mm. So I was working on behalf of the RSPCA. So I think it's like Royal Society for the Prevention and Cruelty of Animals. Oh, well done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was like the only test I've ever passed. Um, yeah. No, so like on behalf of the RSPCA, I would go to businesses all around London, went to like Birmingham, went to Brighton, like a few different cities around the UK. And I would basically go into offices and pitch people. Like, I'd be like, do you prefer cats or dogs? Yeah. <laughs> Just like, can you give me your car details? Like, do you want to have a direct debit? And it was fully commission-based. So it's like a multi-level marketing scheme, similar to like a pyramid scheme. Like people will compare the two. And I did that for like six, seven months. Probably the hardest job I've ever done in my life. Like I've worked in loads of different industries, never really held down a job because I got bored. Like mm-hmm. I'd, I'd excel and I'd be like, well, I'm good at it. I want to leave. Um, and that's, it's just, I don't know if it's like me being competitive, but I'd get to a certain point and then not be stimulated by the job role. I think like I want more, like I'm just contributing to somebody else's success. Like I'm just like a part of the system kind of thing. So did the MLM stuff and then started discovering the world of working for yourself. And there are a few different, financial vehicles that I was choosing between it was like drop shipping e-com marketing or advertising agency like do Mm. I do like Amazon FBA um do I e-com do I do like marketing advertising agency I didn't have any money at this point so I was like I need something that's free and that can make me money straight away so a marketing agency was the easiest one with like the lowest barrier to entry for me I knew a little bit about marketing not a lot I just done sales. I was like, I'm not afraid to like pick up the phone and do a bunch of cold calls, which is what I did for the first few months. Um, And that's kind of like the beginning of the journey to getting to LinkedIn is sitting in like my basement, like a studio flat, calling a bunch of businesses, getting rejected most of the time, but it's laws of average. So I was like, I know I just need to speak to like a certain amount of people to get a certain amount of closes. And then as you get better, like your close rate increases and the amount of people that you need to speak to decreases. Like it was like simple math, which is how I kind of like kept my head through that. Like I didn't take it emotionally. It was just numbers. Um, We got to a point where I was like, I'm just fed up of like being like the beta person in the conversation. Like it's me begging someone else to like have a meeting with me or speak to me. Yeah. 
And I wanted to kind of be on a level playing field for once because I've been doing that for like like nine months at this point, just like being the one to like ask somebody else to buy something from me. So I literally Googled best ways to get clients, social media marketing agency, 20, like 18. Mm. <laughs> and LinkedIn came up as one of the results. So like one of the articles is like, oh, LinkedIn's a great place for like B2B for people to get clients and network. Yeah. So I was like, okay, cool. Dug out my profile. Um, I worked in real estate for like Keller Williams for like a really short period of time, for like a few months. So my whole profile was like real estate stuff, like my headshot from Keller Williams. I went and edited all of that and then used this automation tool called Meet Leonard, which was like this third party tool. I think it's, they've renamed it. It's like Meet Alfred now. Like yeah, they, I've heard, definitely heard of that. Because a lot of them get banned. Like third party tools are not allowed. Like they're against user guidelines for LinkedIn. Mm. Um so I was using Meet Leonard for like this really long ass like direct sales pitch, which I cringe at. Like I literally did a post on LinkedIn apologizing to people that had received that from me because I was embarrassed. Um, but I was doing that and it was actually kind of working. Like I was getting responses. And I was like, I'm getting more responses here and setting meetings more than cold calling. So this is like the way I should probably go forwards. And I had a few people within the like marketing agency community reach out and just say, hey, like, how do you do this? Or like, how does this work on LinkedIn? I was kind of like blagging it as I was going along. So mm. I didn't know much. I was one step ahead of everybody else. And then one person messaged me on Facebook Messenger and was like, hey, what's your hourly rate? Like, do you offer any like consulting or like mentorship services, like coaching? And I was like, what is my hourly rate? Mm. <laughs> so I kind of just made one up and I charged him 400 pounds for four calls over the course of a month. So it was like hundred pounds an hour. And I was like, he's not going to say yeah. Cause I'd been making like 10 pounds an hour in every other job. And it's yeah. like 10X that I was like, I'm going to be like rich. And I was like, that was like the most money I've ever made. Um, so that was my first client. And then things kind of just escalated from there. So that was a really long winded answer to my background where that's kind of like the journey so far. No, it's good. It's good. Yeah. So super interesting backstory that was a pretty fucking good effort to be fair like pretty much 22 <laughs> minutes a lot of other guests how long did I actually speak about myself I think for? about 18 to 20 minutes it depends which bits is I, that self-absorbed or am I just good at answering questions no it's a good answer I could probably speak for 45 minutes or something but I have a few questions off the back of that like firstly like where that where does this come from like this entrepreneurialism like is there any of that in your parents family members um, or somewhere else that's a really good question. And I've, I'm still trying to find the answer myself to that. Mm. The first part in terms of parents, no. Um, they've always kind of like worked within other establishments. So like my mum, healthcare, my dad, um, he was like a support healthcare worker. So like people who were caring for others who had like either physical or mental disability, he would advise the carers for those people. But like he's worked within like under somebody else. Grandmothers, like my grandfather, he's not here, but like he had his own factory and it was like light bulbs and stuff. Mm. So that's probably the only entrepreneurial thing, but like he's never been in my life, so I don't know. Um, but in terms of where it comes from for me, I don't think it was something that I've always had. Like it's not a thing where when I was a kid, oh, like Natasha, like she like, I don't know, like made stuff and started selling them. And she's been grafting since she was like three and a half years old. I never really had it in me. Um, 
I think I've done it a little bit backwards. Not that there's a way for people to be entrepreneurial. There should be a box around it. Mm. But usually it comes from a place of passion where somebody says like, oh, I'm really passionate about this. I'm going to sacrifice the security or the safety of like this route. And I'm going to go do this over here. For me, it was university. I didn't really know that there were other options. Yeah, I wasn't good at it. And then it's like, well, what else are you going to do now? And it was to the point where like, I didn't have money. Like my parents aren't like, they're they're not poor. Like they're not, they're like working class kind of thing, Mm. but it's not where I would get support. Like I was supported through certain things, but it's not like you you can just chill for the rest of your life. Like don't worry, um, whatever. Like I didn't really have the money. And in London, it would have been if I didn't figure it out, you have to move back home and get like a full-time job in like Tesco. And that terrified me. Like mm. The thought of going back to Chesterfield, like taking a step back wasn't something that I even considered. And that was failure in my mind. Don't know if that's healthy or not, but like, I think I backed myself into a corner where I was like, you have no other choice. Like, what do you want to do? Like you've dropped out of uni, you're not good at that. So you're not going to get a degree. Mm. Um, you've worked in retail, you've worked in real estate, you've done all these other jobs, which you've left done door-to-door sales you left that too because you're working like 70 80 hours a week and you were depressed yeah and now it's like what options do you have like if you don't make this work you can't afford to live in london like you've been living off your friends as like sofas for the past like a few months like i'm so lucky that i had those people around me but the option to go back to chessfield wasn't even an option so it was kind of where I backed myself into a corner and I had to make it work. So it's like, I need to make money to survive. So it's more like survival mode yeah. than passion. And then I think the real like, whoops, entrepreneurial yeah, just side. Bring that a bit closer as well. Here. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Um, like the entrepreneurial spirit that most people speak about or have is what's coming out of me now that I have the financial stability from the LinkedIn company where I'm like, oh, what do I actually want to do? Like, what do I really care about? Yeah, because... I think dropping out of uni, I did the same. Where did you go to uni? Wait, I'm in Northumbria in Newcastle. My non-identical twin brother went to Newcastle. You've got a non-identical twin. Yeah, how no many one brothers do you this. have? Just one. What? How old is he? My twin. Oh yeah, so the same age. How old are you? Twenty-six two days ago. Shit. Okay. Getting yeah, old. Career. Still out. Of I'm 20, just like a year still, behind you. Still out of twenty-six mil. Like, <laughs> oh, Drake's the twenty-five cent. That's twenty-five mil. But um, didn't have that at twenty-five either. <laughs> Failed. Well, yeah, I went to North America, Newcastle and I laugh. I take the piss out myself because it wasn't a Russell group because I got fucking B's my levels. But I didn't want to be there anyway. I, I knew, got worse I knew, than you. Like I got worse, well, way worse. Yeah. I can't even well, I knew it. before I went, I, I was going to drop out. I just needed a vehicle to do it. But I dropped out while I had doing econ at the time. But I always I always think that, yeah, I think if you're going to pursue entrepreneurship and I speak to Adrian a bit about it in episode whatever, four or five, because he got into the corporate world first. And I was like, fuck, that's scary. Because I, I imagine if I went to get a grad job, it's game over at that point. Because suddenly you're, well, not game over, but like, it'd be a lot harder to start your own thing. I think the best time to start it or get a first taste of it is, yeah, drop out of uni. Like, do it before yeah. you get, I don't know, fucking corrupted by, like, just a nine to five or a more, like, comfortable lifestyle. Do you think it is, like, corrupted? Like, do you think if people knew about entrepreneurship and were presented that as a good opportunity for them like alongside the traditional academic system nah no so on a recent episode we did uh, this is the thing like i'm saying this because 99 percent of people watching this 
are entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs so they can relate but like nah I think yeah most people 95 99% whatever definitely shouldn't do that and to be honest if you don't feel like some sort of calling to pursue entrepreneurship it's probably not for you anyway like I don't know like that's a bit like grandiose or whatever but if do you know what I mean like I, I think you have to be that that guy that girl or like that kid that's like oh I just feel like out of place like for example when I was in uni I liked going out and meeting girls and stuff but I fucking hated being in lectures and I was running like Facebook ads while I was like working in a burger bar and that's like how I got started back in the day that's crazy but yeah like definitely as like a comparable like as a career choice I don't think at all I think entrepreneurship has to be like by definition this like scrappy back against the wall thing yeah in most cases like sometimes I don't know you get these first time entrepreneurs that raise a load of money and usually doesn't work because they've never really been in the trenches yeah but that's an interesting like concept because obviously you get entrepreneurs that are from good backgrounds have never been in the trenches um and I don't mean that like everybody from a good background has never felt pain or suffering um but in terms of like financially not being secure do you think you have to have been financially insecure and had nothing to have the drive to build something meaningful and big not necessarily I mean like I come from like fucking normal middle class family like mum's a nurse dad had a decent job like went to a state school not like from money but like they could never give me any money to start a business so like I guess probably what most people it's probably like arguably the most like dangerous scenario to grow up in because it's yeah. just like normal and average and it's like you're told that it's fine yeah like, so like, it, I had no, I had no for some people experience of entrepreneurship because well my uncle's an entrepreneur but I didn't really know what the fuck he did and he never helped me with anything um like financially yeah but at the same time like I didn't come from like fucking poverty so I didn't really have like had to make money yeah I'm the same we're so probably from similar-ish like, yeah of it's probably what most people are watching like statistically it's probably most people realistically um, yeah. in the UK just like a fairly normal like you had a roof over your head food but beyond that not really it was just like normal did you like um, A did you move when did you move to London and B I feel like London's a bubble. Like, do you think that London distorted what you saw as like, I guess like a good amount financially, like an average lifestyle? Yeah, it's such a good question because we brought up this whole London slash home thing and like the general location thing on a few different episodes. But yeah, I moved here two and a half years ago um, very consciously because I like travel for like two years when I dropped out of uni pretty Where much. Where did you travel? Like, where did you go? Like on your gap year. Well, I didn't do a gap year, but it was when I dropped out, I was just like, fuck this. I didn't want to be in the UK. And then I went yeah. like, Bali, Australia, blah, blah, blah. All, all the usual shit. But then, yeah, like my mum was from London. I'd done a placement in Mayfair working in an M&A firm when I was 19, which no is how way. I was first exposed to entrepreneurship. So was that your only ever like corporate kind of role? Yeah. And it was, and say? I knew then and there that I never want to wear a suit again. <laughs> what made you, do you remember why? Like, was there a particular thing Well, I just happened? thought, why the fuck do I have to feel so uncomfy on the tube when I could wear it? <laughs> I hate, not that I wear suits or ever have, but like shirts and stuff. Yeah, it just like, felt uncomfy. That. that was probably it, to be honest. It just felt uncomfy. <laughs> and I, I didn't feel like I could work probably because my elbows were tight when I was sat on a desk. <laughs> just arms are just too big. <laughs> I'm yeah, too exactly. shredded for this lifestyle. But that was the first time I was exposed to entrepreneurs because I was meet like I just blagged this placement in, yeah, this boutique firm. Mm-hmm. getting paid like nothing but I just listened to people and 
that, that was the first thing. And I was like, oh, fuck, you don't have to be a footballer to make money, basically, as like a young guy or like just a person in general, like a footballer or a movie star. Yeah. Because basically growing up, you're taught, you know, you're the normal, That's you're so a footballer true. or you're an athlete or you're a movie star. And you think or a that musician. they're like That's the it. wealthiest. Like I thought when I was a kid, I was like, oh, vets and doctors, like people who are making... Because my parents, I remember them asking me when I was like, a kid and they were like, oh, like, what do you want to be? And like, how much do you want to like make and stuff mm. when you're older? And I was like, oh, like if I ever made like a hundred thousand pounds, I'd be like a millionaire. Obviously I didn't understand what a million was compared to like six figures. But like the thought of a hundred thousand pounds was crazy. And then yeah. now, like it's still like imposter syndrome with like money when I hear about like multi-seven, like eight figures, nine figures. And I'm like, like it, it can't be real like that money doesn't exist yeah. I have to like pinch myself to be like it's not that hard to make money and that sounds like a very like weird statement but like you know once you've made it you're like oh if I had been doing this like 10 years ago mm. I would have been making money as well it's just like different lessons and different like glass ceilings that you have to hit through at different like financial steps that you reach yeah the whole London is a bubble thing though I think there's two sides to that firstly I come from the north and like normal family so I know like I find it fucking hilarious when because especially right around here or whatever where like a lot of us live there's a lot of I mean it's a stereotype but like you know the whole Made in Chelsea crew yeah where they're fucking and it's not a lot of people to be fair but it is a stereotype but you know like private school don't really work do coke four times a week that is like they're just magically in St. Baths four times a year but they don't know who's paying for it I'm trying not to laugh because I don't want to insult anybody yeah and I know a few of them and not all bad people but it's just it's a fucking fact and I know like if you're going on holiday to these tax havens often like do the fucking maths a lot of people don't do the maths and just think that's normal but it's not normal People like, don't think about it. Normal families go to the north of Spain once a year, if that. What, probably and not they even save up holiday. for it. That's like, they work throughout the year really hard to be like, okay, we're going to have a family holiday this year. Yeah, like if you went on a yacht as a child, like, on a holiday. you've not had, yeah. You, you, you didn't come from a normal family. <laughs> yeah, that's but, not like working middle, yeah. Yeah, so like, I intentionally moved to London because it's definitely a great play, way to meet people. There's more people here than, I think it's the best city in the world. I Personally, love London. It's like, my favourite city in the world as well. Yeah. Aside from like the weather and like the cold. The months, weather right now is a downside. Thing. Yeah. Yeah, but, but like, aside I still think it's over amazing. anywhere like Dubai, LA, or whatever. I think it's way yeah, better. Culture, overall. people, networking, business opportunity. But yeah, like obviously, yeah, because I think because I come from a place where I know what normal is. Like, yeah, it's it's nice to be in a place where there's a lot of successful people or whatever. Like more successful people. Still, on average, it's like more normal people, but. At the same time, yeah, I think it's just being aware of what's like normal and not. Because I think one of the worst traits when people start making money, and, and I've probably been guilty of it in the past, they make the first bit of money and then they fucking like lose touch on reality. Do yeah. you know what I mean? So, so staying grounded. I'm trying to think of connected. an example, but I mean, there's so many that I can think of in my head, but like. I don't know like yeah. I've have you ever been swept up in it like I know that when I was in London like when I was at uni and just after I dropped out I know that I got caught in the bubble just because the people that I was surrounded by were in, on a different league and they had yeah. like their dad's Amexes and they were getting paid yeah. like 10k a month and like they weren't bad people like one of the girls was actually the girl that kind of saved me from like a bad situation at uni like she came to pick me up in the uber because her mum found out what happened and she like pulled up outside where i was living and she like let me stay in her bed 
in Shoreditch and I paid her like a thousand pounds a month, but she'd go and buy Gucci loafers <laughs> with my rent money. Like she was good for money. Mm. Um, and like when you're around people that can live like that, I end up spending my like loans for university, like my maintenance loans and stuff. Yeah. I was spending that on going to like Novikov for lunch after going to the gym. And then I looked back at myself. Yeah, that's fucking mad. And I was like, bro, I was like, what am I doing? I was like, I, I'm, I'm living a lifestyle that I can't afford to live mm. just because I'm like embarrassed to not keep up with other people. Yeah, there's and so much of that. Yeah, it's like the bubble. It's like there is levels to it. And like, I've had so many people in London that I've met for the first time. And one of the first questions they've asked me is, where did you go to school? And I'm like, you're not going to know where I went to Expect school. Expect you to say Harrow. Like a, yeah, like a private school yeah. or something. And I'm like, I went to like a sports college in Chesterfield. And they're like, where's Chesterfield? I'm just yeah. like, it doesn't matter. Like, you're not going to know of it. It's like a small school. But it's just, it's a different world. Like people that lived, like born in London, like born and bred London, tends to be like a kind of a different level to like the North and other people that have moved in here, like even just from other countries. Oh yeah. I mean, to be fair, like, yeah, I've always taken the piss out of private school. I've got a cousin that went to a very posh school. My girlfriend or not really sure what's happening, went to a private school, I take the piss out of her. Um, but yeah, I mean like there's levels to it. Like people that went to fucking Harrow and shit. Like if you're yeah. going, if you're getting picked up from school in like a, Bentley. And Rolls Royce or a, a, a Bentayga then oh yeah yeah it's like it's it's 0.1% of like kids but it's just that, it's that, that bubble of people when they're like in their teens and early 20s and like they're the people that go to Novikov three times a week like you were saying but <laughs> yeah. like even beyond that like normal people as well particularly in London like I was t- I don't know where this came up in conversation the other day in Novikov cause, just because I view it as like a meme at this point yeah literally it's like you can you go to Novikov and not and film like, your entire meal no it's literally it's like allowed. Um, people from the rest of the UK like visiting London starter pack it would be like yeah. Novikov or like Novu yeah. or like and you have to film to everything Bird. otherwise you didn't go because that's the only reason they're going yeah would they go if they it's film to film it like the not. food's um, the food's good like, in like the nice, Japanese but... section but like it's not like you don't need to film it every time but that's like the difference between new money old money that's like class mm. and like old money wealth versus you've made a fact out of money and you want people to know about it well it's not even that usually though it's people that can't afford to be there. Yeah. Like going once a month and filming everything. But there's people that go there for like a breakfast, like a cheeky breakfast, like yeah. just randomly. Cause there's free. obviously both. There is like super ballers and shit, but which is either self-made or family money or whatever. But then there's like the people that go and yeah, just can't afford to be there. And there's, there's a lot yeah. of that in London. I, like I mean, I guess that's ego, well. isn't it? Like yeah. the common denominator between like, regardless of why you're from and how much money you or your family make, it's like, it filters down to like ego or insecurity. Even if people say it was my choice to post, it could be branding. Like if you're a personal brand or like you want to impress people, but that's like caring about other people's impressions. Most people that I know, they don't, I mean, some people post for themselves, but like, I don't know many people that go to a nice restaurant and I do it as well. So I'm not even going to say like, I'm not judging them because I'm, I've, I've been that person. I'm one of those people sometimes, but if you post it, you're not taking a video of like your spicy tuna roll for yourself mm. to be like, oh, I'm very like in the moment and present right now. I re- want to remember it. If you want to remember it, like you'd be present and then you'd take a photo or a video and then you wouldn't post it online. Yeah. And there's validation, ego and like wanting people to see you and perceive you in a particular way. Otherwise you wouldn't be online. It's I actually hate social true. media, you know? Like I know that's like hey, a job. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's like <laughs> all econ brands need social media and shit and yeah, would you like 
go off social media completely like do you see yourself well, I did just, like, like seven months of it completely like, I was everything. off it from January to August and did you have somebody like manage... I deleted my, no I deleted my account fully like, yeah not because even of all just... the hate I was getting from the neon thing did you get lots of mean people like a lot of mean people oh hundreds of death threats that's actually I can't imagine I had pages for pictures of my parents on being serious set up, yeah. people are so mean like there should be like a PSA just for like don't be a cunt like just be a nice person and remember that people have feelings like it doesn't matter the situation there's so many other things to chat about and like yeah, give you well, energy it's, it's to not even than that. it's just like, like that. You, you take 65 million people in the country or whatever and, and 7 billion in the world you only need 0.1% of people to be cunts to make a lot of noise online and like obviously like hate speaks the loudest it's always the loudest like why trolls. do you think people there's more weight around negativity than positivity because people that are that messed up spend more time typing on a keyboard rather than improving their own lives yeah and like I've said it a million times but people that are doing anything with their existence have never written a hate comment ever yeah it's just a fact I've not heard of many like, like people that are this, achieving like, or being like a kind human well, being well just like, doing anything like yeah like, like all these people that write hate online or whatever just aren't doing anything they're probably working two hours a week at Tesco like if that did you see um kind of like a tangent but did you see the thing about the Facebook study and it was speaking about how young people's like mental health is being affected and this study was done like two years ago and it's only just been released and those are like people like getting really agged about it did you see it no yeah, so like it Sounds was released quite recently. It was speaking about like Facebook did this study and then it didn't come to the surface. So obviously it makes them look bad. Yeah. And it was about young people's mental health being affected. And I was like, certain things floating around saying like, would there be curfews on social media platforms? And I'm pretty sure they've done it on like TikTok. I don't think it's in, maybe it's in China. Like there's a country where like there's a, a time and you can't use the social media platform anymore. Yeah. Like geez. imagine if there was like a cutoff, like a, at 8 p.m., you can't get on Instagram. Instagram's the worst one. I feel like TikTok's a lot more. Well, I don't know if it's more positive. It's, there's less hate and like trolling and comparison on TikTok because it's a lot more like jokey and kind of casual. But it's really addictive. Like, it's really it's addictive. Just I, I'm addicted to it. I was I filming TikTok it for like three. Why? Do you have a TikTok channel for the new brand? Yeah. Wait, show me. I'll show you after. <laughs> but um, yeah, my hands dirty. Yeah, TikTok's fucking mad. Like I was. I've been discovering the ad platform. The ad platform? Well, like Facebook ads, but TikTok ads. How advanced so much is newer. it? Because they've only just kind of started to Yeah, so like it's so much it cheaper because it's newer. But the flip side of that is it's there's way less data on it. It's way less advanced, so it doesn't work as well. So it's kind of... I'd say overall, though, right now it's better. Yeah. From what I've heard. I've not run much on it before in the past. I've not but, thought about it, but I'm pretty sure I saw like a Spotify... Like it comes up as like a little bubble. Yeah. And yeah. at the top left. Yeah. Um, I think it was like Spotify advertising. Like I think once they nailed the advertising platform, you can do like, like standard in feed ones as well. Like like Instagram. is it you just swipe and it's yeah, is it like a sponsored TikTok? So you post the TikTok. Key thing, and it's yeah, an you can do that as well. The key thing is it looks like natural, so it yeah, looks it has like a TikTok like integrate, rather yeah. than an ad. Whereas like Instagram, less so. But I can imagine that working quite well for like the products that you're speaking about, like the e-commerce stuff, because it's like you're selling something that you can. It's tangible. You can like film it and show it. And like you can yeah. make it like concepts out of it, which are entertaining or like grasping their attention. Yeah, I was playing around with a few things. Yeah. I'm excited to Just see it. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty early, but we'll see. But yeah, for, I feel like we went on a massive tangent, which is good. I like tangents. But bringing it back then, 
So, dropped out of uni. Mm -hmm. At what point, like, how long did it take until you were confident that... Because you, you said you're obviously trying to get clients on LinkedIn. You were trying to get clients in general for a marketing agency, mm -hmm. is what you said. Yeah. What sort of marketing, for a start? So, I was targeting companies within the medical space in London to do Instagram management and growth. So, like... So, like, organic Instagram? Yeah. Yeah. But then I was basically doing, like, you know, one of those, like, bots where you put in the names of certain people and it follows their followers mm -hmm. and it likes their photos. Yeah. It's one of those. Um, so the client would get like 500 new followers a month. Then I had a videographer and we'd go and like take all of her content in, it's like Knightsbridge Dental Clinic. Um, amazing woman called Marie who runs it. And she was my first client. So we'd go in with a videographer, take all the content and then I'd schedule it, write the captions. And then we'd like get her to approve it a month in advance and then we'd do the growth for her. So that was that agency. And then was there another part to your question? And then I guess, how did that become LinkedIn is the second yeah. part of that. Like the, you said, you mentioned like the time frame between like dropping out of uni yeah, and like three part question. knowing that I was Yeah, so be I guess okay. like the first thing was like, how did it become the LinkedIn thing in general? And then secondly, how long were you doing that before you were like, okay, this is actually a business now. I don't, I don't like. Yeah, like I'm good. I'm like, <laughs> like well, it's going to yeah, be okay. I'm, just, I'm out of like, fuck. Poverty. Yeah. <laughs> no, not quite. But um yeah, so with the agency, it's kind of like part of what I explained earlier. So when I was doing cold calling for that marketing agency, it was when I was doing this cold calling, I was like, I want to find another way to get clients for that agency, which is when I started using LinkedIn. So when I was using LinkedIn, it basically that inverted. So like initially LinkedIn was how I was sourcing clients for the Instagram management and growth services. Yeah. But then other agency owners started asking me for help on LinkedIn. Mm. So it kind of went from like one B2B kind of service to like directly B2B with other agencies and people that were the same as me. Yeah. So instead of then finding and offering a service to like B2C, it was like, I'm going like B, it's the same thing, but like different direction. Yeah. So I was then targeting like, my people like other marketing and advertising agency owners so that was like the flip so the flip just happened when I stopped cold calling started using LinkedIn other agency owners started noticing and saying hey like can I pay you for this and then I was like oh I can actually make money from this like if I'm making 100 pounds an hour all I need to do is get two clients on the same thing for the LinkedIn stuff and that's eight hours of work a month and that's it and that's the same amount of money for me doing the Instagram management and growth, but it's a hundred percent profit for me because yeah. like with that one, I've got to pay a videographer, like part mm. of my cut goes away, but with this it's a hundred percent. So I was like, the only overhead I had at that point was the sales navigator subscription and everything else was, it was pure profit for me. So it's like, oh, I can make 400 pounds. the beauty of like a services business. Exactly. Mm. And that's why I love the consulting model. And yeah. obviously I'm moving away from one-to-one-to-one -to, -one -to, -one to many purely because of scalability. Because it's like, well, I've only got yeah. so much time in the day and like I Sam Evans. have other things. <laughs> yeah, literally. That's what I used to say. Yeah, yeah. This is like the whole Sam Evans. I mean, that's the courses that 
a lot of us kind of like not grew up on, but like went yeah, through so and like, like modeled. It's a classic consulting. He's like the, the godfather yeah. Yeah, <laughs> of yeah. like the consulting model, like the way to scale, like you move away from one-to-one and then you go one-to-many and you can still go high ticket. Yeah. So I'm like right now created the product, which is like the most I've ever sold a product for, but like I've made the most money from it pre-launch already just because of how you structure the offer and even the community of like high level people to be able to network the values there so people are willing to pay because the problem I'm solving is like they're going to make like however much more based on like the small investment in comparison mm-hmm. that the info product is but yeah to like answer the final bit of your question um how long did it take me I think I still get imposter syndrome sometimes where I'm like am I actually doing this full time like do I yeah, need to go back to a full-time job like I still get it now but I think it was a solid like year like yeah. it was a long time and I know a lot of people have done it faster and it's it, it differs for everybody but like for me it was like a solid year and it was it was stressful like you know when it's like your income's going up and down um to find a way to generate leads consistently can be tricky but like on top of that when you are now getting clients like your focus is going somewhere else where you're like oh I actually need to like learn how to improve the delivery of the service like can I learn more so I can like charge more and then building funnels and like an info product like there's all these other things that come with it yeah. so probably like a year I would say until I was like okay I'm good and then I've had a few dips since like I've had months where I'm like okay fuck like I've actually not made much money like I need to like do something about that and that's when I started focusing on um like do I have passive income or like affiliate commissions that are coming in or can I monetize from like YouTube so there's a few things now that I have where I'm like if I stopped working completely I know I'm still making like a decent amount yeah. that's coming in regardless just from like affiliate. So that's kind of like my safety net that I've built. So I think the safety net once that was kind of like up and running is when I started to relax. Mm. And then what was your living situation at this point? So a year in, you've got this business. Yeah. Were you still living with friends or what? Like on their couches? I was living. So. No, I moved away, so um, I was living on couches between the period of university, I dropped out of uni, first home, which was like a nice home. Um, Then I moved into my friend, like I'm still friends with her, like she's not in the country at the moment, but like we've been friends for years now. I stayed in like, it was actually a single bed in her university like halls. Mm. So I shared bed with her. She didn't make me pay rent, like she was a sweetheart. Um, she let me stay there for like months and then I moved into this like council estate and I was there for another like six months I think and that was actually the girl who I did door to door with like she's one who got me the interview with the director of the company so I was living with her family so it was like a to say because it might be wrong but like three bedroom four bedroom like her family I was sharing a bed with her but they just shared beds for like a while like a year and a half or so and then I moved into my first place in London, like with other people, which was in Hackney. And there was like seven people in like a house. I was there. And then I moved into a studio, like basement apartment opposite Kensington Olympia. So it wasn't like mm. far from a bad area. Like it was like Holland Park was down the road. Where I lived was a bit sketch. Like there was literally like a murder that happened one night outside. Um, so that's kind of intense. But like that's my first place alone. And that's where I was when I was doing all the cold calls and like starting the agency. So like I would pay, 
um, alongside that I was working for he's actually my business partner now but like my first ever like mentor mm. who my friend introduced me to um my friend like he's an actor and he knew that I want to do my own thing introduced me to this guy and there's so many tangents right now um no, introduced good. me to this guy who has a bunch of different companies um tends to like he's like an angel investor so he'll invest in like different startups that's like his thing and he didn't know I was in like a really bad place but he's told me now we've had this conversation he was like I could tell you like weren't good but I knew you had too much pride to like say that you needed help and I was terrible at the job like he hired me to do like social media management um and I didn't do it very well but like I did that and he was paying me like 400 pounds a month and then the other few hundred pounds my nan would send me so like my nan is the one that's probably the most like has the most kind of finances yeah. in the family. Shout out Nan. Yeah, shout out Nan. Big up for Risa. And she helped me out a lot. So like, even though I went through those like times, like the little bits of money that I was getting was like, hey, can you send me money? And my Nan would be like, oh, okay, how much do you need? I'm like, a few hundred pounds, please. So like, I'm lucky that I had that. If I didn't have that, I don't know where I would be, but I probably would have had to move home. Um, but yeah, that was like the first place was studio apartment. And then I think I've moved around London maybe eight times, nine times. Eight times, fucking I thought Probably I moved Probably nine, nine or ten now. Um, I've actually got to move out my place in December. I don't want to leave. I don't know if I've not told you. I don't know if Tyler's told you. Oh, shit. I what got like that? an and email. Someone moving in now? My landlords want to reoccupy it. So Why? I don't, I don't know. And they're doing it. Listen to this as well. Like, this if is such like a flat, Grinch move. But they're making me leave on the 17th of December. And there's a clause. It's like clause like 21 or something in a contract. And this like through COVID, you had to give um, more months of notice before mm. you could tell the tenant to move out, like make them leave. But as of September this year, it's changed back to like two months notice. Yeah. So they've obviously waited yeah, yeah. until that point and then been like, by the way, 17th of December, you're moving out. And I'm like, yeah, moving to Christmas, bro. Like, that's not very nice. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to leave because I love my place. But yeah, I completely yeah. like went off. I don't know if I answered your question. But <laughs> what was the question? Jeez. Yeah, it was like, where do you live it's as first? Three part. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, fuck. So obviously, did, done that for a few years. Mm-hmm. Then this whole transition from one to one to one to many, was that just like, was that just felt like a natural thing or did you just realize oh shit like because ultimately as a consultant and like I'm, I'm not really in that space obviously you're basically just selling your time for a large amount i think like yeah. ideally yeah, obviously charge <laughs> ideally, people yeah. hourly rate whatever yeah so are you moving entirely to a course is that the plan pretty much like i have to private clients right now like I don't really take on private clients anymore I'll send them to an info product yeah purely because it's not boredom but when you've taught a system like there's only so many things that change so yeah. if I'm doing it one-to-one it's not that efficient because I'm like I'm, I could teach you all the same thing in one room I'm charging you all x amount anyway I could charge you all the same amount and put you into like a group yeah, and then also do a modulated course that's going to let me charge even more money. So moving one-to-one to one-to-many, it kind of happened naturally. Like I have my like, it used to be like a free seven-day crash course and I put like a hundred dollars on it because I was like, it's actually 
really well produced. <laughs> I was like, mm. I could probably sell it for like a little bit. And then I have LinkedIn Unleashed, which was my first info product at like 497. And then I was like, I want something high ticket. Cause I went through a high ticket sales course. And this was when I was in South Africa for like six months through the first pandemic. Yeah. And I put all my savings into this course and it was like $6,400 or something. Didn't really, like that was literally all my money. As in um, you bought a course? Yeah. yeah. And that was like all the like money that I'd put aside for like savings and whatever. I was like, I'll have like six, seven K like aside just for like rainy day money. And mm-hmm. then I was like, wasn't intending on buying this course. And I was on the call with him and he was obviously good at what he did. So I ended up just being like, fuck it. I'm just going to put like the savings that I've got aside. I'm going to put it into this course. Did the high ticket course. And it was on a call with him where he was like, if you want to get to seven figures um, or like six figures a month, you need to either like have more customers come in the door. Like it's either volume or it's how much you charge. Like there's yeah. two variables. And right now, like when people come to you, when you have sales calls, what are people asking for? Like, what's the main solution that your prospects are like looking for when they speak to you? I would say 50% want a done for you service. And I'd stopped running my done for you agency for ages. Like I just didn't, didn't run it. I was just doing consulting and info products. So I was leaving so much money on the table. And he was like, the quickest way for you to scale is going to be doing an agency. I within the first four weeks of buying this course sounds like a testimonial for him now yeah. um, within the first four weeks I had made like two three x return on my investment and I went from making like five to ten k a month to like I had my first 20k and I was like oh well, that's kind of easy because I signed like four clients in in a week and like some of them paid up front had some payments come through then I like hired a VA and I was like okay cool mm-hmm. like all I need is like a system or a process and people are ready to like buy this yeah. so I can just make it good like where I'm giving them good results and they're going to stay long term that's recurring revenue which means more to me than a one-off like info product purchase because that's volume yeah so then it was like how can I combine the two and I'm getting exposed to these like larger clients like medium to large enterprises and I do the work that I do with like LinkedIn and sales navigator and I was thinking like even LinkedIn a lot of the people that watch my YouTube channel work at LinkedIn. So a lot of the people that I've made who are my friends now were like, oh, I actually watched your sales navigator tutorials. And a lot of really big companies don't have amazing in-house training that they'll cover the basics, but they don't really have resources or info products. And like, that should be a thing that's done um, where you have an info product where like when someone joins like a product that you can sell or like people have to go through, which is an SOP or like trains you on mm. your role. Um, so my thinking was with the the new info product, it's A to Z, like what anybody who's in like an SDR role, like someone who's doing like outbound, even like a BD, like it can be like anybody who's doing like lead generation stuff. They can go through a A to Z and there's going to be the community calls but also if I get like a company that comes to me and they want to send like their sales reps through, I've got something that fits that. And then I can hire a coach to do like every other course. Then I only have to do two calls a month, all the trainings in the info product because most of it's not going to change. And then there's support on Slack. So like this is a really good way for me to do less of the FaceTime myself, kind of put most of it onto an info product and then be able to charge a high amount for it because it's like, I've got all these guest speakers from LinkedIn and like these people that are actually respected in their spaces. Um, 
coming in and I get to use all their names. So the social proof's like good. No, that's not, a good idea. It's not been done. Like there's there's no other LinkedIn course which has like incorporated other thought leaders across that industry. So it's like, well, I've got people from LinkedIn and Sales Navigator coming in and talking to you about it and teaching you. And like, they're going to come in and give you product updates every quarter when they release Did them. Do you have to pay them for that? They're friends. Oh, really? Yeah, they just offer. Good. So it's like, and I would pay, I offered to pay. I was like, I'll pay you a K to like come and do 60 minute talk. Like, because of the space that we're in, a lot of our friends will just do it for us. Mm. So it's like, I get to leverage their names um, and say that like, this person is in charge of like enterprise outreach, like they know the stats from internally yeah. at LinkedIn. They're not allowed to like comment on the products, but they are allowed to come in and speak about like how they do their job well. So it's like, you can listen to me. Like I'm good at like the stuff that I know about, but the rest of it, I'll bring in experts. So that's been kind of fun to build. Yeah, smart. Um, and then I think, where else was I going to go with it? Yeah. So like I'm, I am moving towards like one to many. And then the only one-to-one clients is like, if I really like you on the sales call and like, you seem like a cool person. Yeah. I've got like one dude who I know it's going to open the door to like a lot of other business. Um, and then another guy who I help it is mainly accountability. So it's like not much work for me. He just needs like a bit of a system or process. And we have like check-in calls. And then the third one is agency client, which we're in the process. I've had like a few sales calls with him. Um, and that's like an M&A company. So that's like a new kind of field that I've not really done much. I don't have much experience within, but if we get him, he's going to open the door to like a lot of other businesses in that realm as well. So it's mainly just enterprise focus, like the big kind of like just the whale clients. Um, and then the info product, like one to many. Whale clients. Yeah. I've heard that before. Yeah. <laughs> the big clients. Yeah. Right, that's interesting. A lot of that shit goes over my head. I don't, I don't really know. <laughs> so, well, I've just like said it all at you and you're just like, I don't know what you mean, but okay. No, yeah. Like what do you say? SDR what's that mean it's like a sales development no, you said BD, which I assume is business director no so you've My got one. like um AEs like account executives yeah then you've got SDRs which are like in charge of like outbound so it's kind of like different roles within a sales team yeah, yeah um so depending on the role like an SDR might be like prospecting so it's like the outbound phase and you've got somebody who's doing like the inbound like the nurturing and the closing part of the process then you've got like the account execs and stuff so it's just like different it's like corporate jargon like just for like different names of roles within like a prospecting and lead generation process yeah so i want to bring in like a controversial topic okay not controversial, i'm ready but <laughs> let me sit for everything's while. fucking controversial these days and i was gonna PC say what culture. isn't controversial well just like i mean i feel like there's definitely less girls in entrepreneurship that's just a fact like yeah well is it a fact i think it's a fact i haven't fact checked it but <laughs> certainly my experience Matt said it is fact <laughs> would you agree though yeah so yeah i guess what's the question i suppose do you think it's well i suppose like do you think being a female has made you been able to start a business harder like that's a really good question i guess i would imagine in ways it has in way in other ways it hasn't but yeah um I would say like I hate like I don't mean this in a victim way like I'm I'm not mm. saying it to be like oh because I'm a woman like things are more difficult but like yes and like a few different reasons um I would say 
the main reason is like role models, like someone yeah. to inspire you, like the people that I've had around me. And I'm so grateful that I had the people around me that I did when I started. But like, it's hard to relate to somebody that isn't the same as who you want to be in the future. Yeah. And obviously like gender plays a really big role in that. Like not just like personality traits, but just being able to look at somebody be like, oh, I want to be like you in a few years time. And I didn't, there wasn't like, there isn't many, like there are some, but compared to men, especially that have big personal brands, it's harder to find them. Definitely. And I think it's changing. Like there are a lot more women that are now building their brands and having a larger presence online within like the marketing and advertising agency space like it's like a thousand to one like in terms Mm. of guys to girls it definitely is so it's like a woman wanting to start out and I have like people on my Instagram like these girls that I'm speaking to and like some of them are crushing it like they're making good money but they don't have followers on Instagram so it's like if you want to find somebody Mm. it's harder to find those people so they exist but they just don't have a big presence and the ones that do and this is like separating out the different kinds of entrepreneurs like a lot of people are like oh there's not many female entrepreneurs you could say that a girl who's making like 500k a month from OnlyFans she's an yeah, entrepreneur yeah. and there's there's actually a lot of them and there's loads of girls that have started like um bikini brands or like they're like beauty influencers or influencers of any sort who are making bank and they're probably like a lot of them probably making more than me making like multi six seven figures yeah. but we don't put them in the same bucket because when we think of like entrepreneurs in our space it's like own marketing or advertising agency owners so I think in general there's loads of girls that are entrepreneurs but in terms of like specific to like me and like what I'm doing like this industry harder to find and I think it would have made my journey easier if I felt like I had a community that I could relate to and community is probably the biggest thing like it's a lonely world when you're an entrepreneur just because you feel like a misfit already yeah it's already like well I'm not kind of like doing the typical journey that other people have always told me is right like my parents or the people around me that are going to uni and getting their degrees and going to like a a normal nine to five so it's like I already feel left out or like I'm weird or different and then you've got to deal with on top like who's here with me like by my side like who's going through the same shit that I'm going through like who's having the same like self-doubt or having a really shit day so it's hard to find those people and I think the next layer to it is like where they're based. So the girls I've spoken to, most of the female entrepreneurs like within the marketing, advertising, like agency space, coaching space, they're all in the US. Or they're like, there's barely any in London. If anybody's watching this, like this is like a plea to you guys. If anybody's like a girl in London, who's like in this kind of space, like connect, like let's connect. Because it is, yeah, to answer your question, I think it, it has been a little bit more difficult, but I'm hoping, I think that there are more girls, kind of like entrepreneurial girls who are like building their brands and becoming more like, I guess, mm. known online. Yeah, I agree. Do you think, there's like, there's like quick fire questions that I'm just thinking shit. Do you think if you came from money, you'd, you'd have done what you did? No, I'm kind of a lazy person. <laughs> like if I don't have to do something, I probably won't. Like, I don't know what I feel like maybe I conserve my energy like I don't know like some animals that do like the bare minimum to like live I feel like if I didn't if I had a comfortable lifestyle handed to me I'd probably I'd do something with it I'd probably do the media company 
I don't think I would have done the LinkedIn stuff. I would have gone straight mm. to like fun. I would have been like, oh, what's fun? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like, what do I enjoy? Like, I do love speaking to people. I love talking, as you can tell. Yeah, good at it. Um, good guest. <laughs> thanks. Um, I love talking. Like, I probably would have just gone more with like passion because I feel like, I mean, if back to basics, like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like basal needs yeah. is like food, water, sex, shelter. They're like the things that like human beings like need and crave and desire to mm. live and survive. Once you've got those things covered, like it's just dopamine. It's like pleasure. Like we chase pleasure. Like what makes us feel good? Um, and that could be like a bigger sense of self, like what's our purpose? Or like what can we get, which is like instant gratification. And I think if I was, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think if I was wealthier, if I just drink red wine and start a podcast. So what we're doing now. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, I, yeah. What about you? If if like you came from money, well, it's, where it's, do you think you'd be well, right now? I mean, I was going to say that's the same question I've asked a few people on the podcast, cause, cause, well, it's, but it's not because I've asked a few people if you had a billion quid tomorrow or a hundred million quid tomorrow, whatever, you know, effectively, like you just didn't have to think about money ever again what would you do is, is, is the question I've asked them but if you if you start with money I think it's a different question because yeah you'd probably not because my, my answer originally to that was oh, I think if I sold a business tomorrow for 100 million quid I'd start the next business the week after and I, I do genuinely think that's true maybe not a week after like a year after but if you start with money like say really privileged family like like I was saying like fucking St. Bart's holidays and shit it's actually probably like a major disadvantage as an entrepreneur in a way yeah in a way so I don't know I, I, it's probably like really rom- romantic and nice for me to say oh of course I'd start something cause I'm passionate <laughs> about it but I probably wouldn't I'd probably have been partying way more and chilling there's I that guy know, yeah. that's on Instagram he went viral like three years ago with a video which guy called like I'm a billionaire's son you've definitely seen him is he actually or is Bob, it a skit what's he called Bobby, Bobby Misner Bobby Meisner. Bobby Meisner. Yeah. He'd be a good podcast guest, actually. He'd be such a good podcast guest. I'm not guest. hating on him. He's, I'm just saying funny. he's yeah. a good example because he actually kind of took the piss out of himself. Is he a comedian? He does a lot of like self-deprecating like, yeah, humor was, and stuff. His angle was, I am that posh kid in some baths. Yeah. And he, I think the first video I ever saw of his, I think I think it was the first video I did. It went like super viral and he was like, I'm a billionaire son. Uh, you know, whatever. Rich son, I think was the idea. And it was just like, yeah, and it was interesting because his lifestyle is like, not doing I feel like I think I feel like I've seen him on Raya on what Raya oh really is that yeah. that, that fucking I think it's that Dana? person maybe I'm confusing names but I think he's not it's... like super famous he probably has like 50,000 followers yeah he's not huge but yeah. but every, he's always like in cool places and shit and he comes from money but yeah, he like kind of like because he like people. takes the piss out of himself it's like you kind of respect it and it's like okay cool fair enough it's not his fault yeah no I like that and he doesn't like doesn't come across like a cunt to be fair he seems like <laughs> If, and if it depends a, on the family because like it depends how you're like there's so many factors yeah. and like variables that come into it but it's also like if like your parents could have raised you in a particular way but also like the drive behind what makes somebody become an entrepreneur or like start mm. their own thing is rooted in different things so like it could be fear or it could be sense of self so like if we go to like a wealthy kid for example like super wealthy background yachts and barts like amazingly like beautiful life from the outside but say on the inside they're like I've never had to work for anything in my life like I have no sense of purpose I get everything I want and I'm not happy and then they were like how can I chase happiness like what's going to actually fulfill me 
And that comes down to like your reason why, or like what's that one thing, like your purpose. Mm. And I think that lives in everybody, whether you're like wealthy or poor, whatever the fuck you have as your background, everybody's wants to feel good on the inside. And that goes back to like money, not giving you happiness. Like that's the same kind of old argument, but it's, it's true. So I don't know. I think like we probably all end up in a similar place. It would have just taken a different course or happened at a different time. Yeah. I feel like the perfect, like the most optimum course for happiness arguably is like you come from like an average normal family, do something you love and then make loads of money from it. Yeah. And achieve freedom. That's probably like the optimum. That's the dream. Which is what I'm trying to do. That's kind of like, yeah, I was going to say, that's kind of like, seems like your journey right now. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to do. Um, Raya, is that that a dating app? Yeah. I've heard of that. Is it like some of those invite only bullshit things? Not invite only, but you have to like apply. Is it like Hinge, but they check your bank statements? (laughs) Not bank statements, but like, I think they check your Instagram. They have like a little board meeting and like accept you. It's kind of just like they try to make themselves a bit more elite, I think. So it's like, you have like the Yeah, I've heard basics. of that. I've never been on it. I'm no. not gonna lie, it's I not that I applied for it like two years ago. Didn't hear back. Do you, I can, I've got friend passes if you want me to give you one. Well, probably inappropriate right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. On that, do, do you think, because I've debate, debated this with a few people mm-hmm. on the podcast recently, but also just in general, like, I feel like fucking dating as an entrepreneur is hard. Yeah. Harder. Such a big topic. Yeah, I was thinking about this like two, yesterday. I think I was thinking about this. Um, I mean, I don't know. It's like... Well, the reason I ask is because I've spoken about it from a guy perspective, but I've never heard it What's your a, opinion? Or do you want me to give mine first well, and then you compare it? My, my brief opinion is... Yeah. I do think it's harder because the debate I'm still having and I've had with loads of guys is it, do, do you want to then date an entrepreneurial girl? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe if it doesn't clash but not necessarily but then because I, I, yeah I, I just think like the way you think about the world is, is always going to be harder to understand and relate to if, if they don't get it at all. Yeah. But it I depends on the person this. and it's... there's obviously different cases. I don't know. It depends. I've literally thought about this so much. And one of the main questions, which you just mentioned is, do they need to be entrepreneurial as well? Like when you are an entrepreneur, it could just be like lifestyle, like in terms Mm. of like your situation, how you live. So like having somebody that's able to like pack up and go and like travel the world with you or like, you kind of like follow you and like be with you, like work from home, be flexible. Like you do your own thing. Is, is that why it would be good to date an entrepreneur or like somebody that is self-employed or is it just as long as your long-term values align? So like in terms of like family values or where you see your dream lifestyle together in the future, um, if you both want to get married, like those kind of things that are like long-term. Yeah. If those things align, should it matter about the rest? And like, I guess, I don't know, like, if I was going to speak about like my type, like in terms of like what I would look for in a partner, most most of the time, like I can't imagine myself dating somebody that isn't an entrepreneur or like doesn't kind of own their own thing, like where they can travel with me. Yeah. Because that's part of like what I love. Yeah, definitely like travel and location freedom is a big one. Yeah, like imagine if it's like winter in London, like the reason that we build what we build mm. or like one of the reasons, like it, maybe it isn't for you, like correct me if I'm wrong, but like, no it's definitely true yeah for me it's like well we build something for ourselves so that we have the options and it's like financial freedom so like if 
it gets to winter and I think, you know what? London is depressing as fuck yeah, in November out. and December. Why don't I go abroad somewhere hot? We can do that. If I'm with somebody who's like, babe, like I've got to go into the office. I can't just take two months off. Mm. It's not their fault at all. But like maybe our lifestyles aren't aligned. And like personally, like where I am now, like I think I, I can't imagine myself with somebody that doesn't have flexibility with their career. Um, and also, this was really interesting. I saw Michaela and Jordan Peterson speaking about it on like a podcast. Oh yeah. And they were speaking about dating stats when it comes to IQ with like genders. So they were mentioning that the higher a male's IQ, the larger his like dating pool is. So the easier it is for him yeah. to find a mate. The higher a female's IQ, mm. the smaller the dating pool for her. And it's kind yeah, of like... it doesn't surprise me, to be fair. Yeah. I was... I rewatched that a few times. I was like... Is that like a fact? A, like, she was given numbers. Like, I yeah. just don't want to say the numbers in case I get it wrong. But, like, I'm... Like, my friends say I'm picky. I'm not picky. But, like, I just have, like, particular things that I look for. But it's it's hard to find somebody that works for themselves or, like, is... Like, has a flexible lifestyle but also like stimulates you in terms of like their EQ. Like they have like a good emotional yeah. intelligence um, and they have drive and passion. And that's like super attractive. I don't mm. know. And <laughs> now I'm going to like what my type is, but like, what's your opinion? Like, what do you think? I think the location freedom thing is massive. So mm. for example, yeah, I've got a few mates where they, their girlfriends actually now work for them as a result of econ. One was actually here last night, a guy called Max, who I'd actually never They're met like, in person. How does that work? Like, what did they say about that? Like, I was kind of asking him because I think, yeah, I've actually got two mates that I can think of that have done that. And I think that's because their girlfriends weren't entrepreneurial and they were like, I want you to fucking travel with me. That's actually kind so of romantic. <laughs> it's kind of romantic, but also like toxic. I don't know, maybe so not toxic, but I guess, it, I don't think it would work for me, but works for them um yeah because like if, if they have like a normal job whatever as long as they can travel it's fine but then the reality is normal jobs mean you can't travel most so, of the time like except for like covid i guess because a lot of people met through covid and it was like work from home so people have just like come together and then figured it out but i guess it's what works yeah. for them like as you said like some of your friends if they've got girlfriends that work for them and it, it like it works for them like fair enough like it's your relationship they're the ones in it if it works it works yeah but i don't know i feel like also when you find the right person you don't really have the liberty to then pick and choose so like if you met somebody that you clicked with 100 percent, and then you get to know them and you start to really like them and then you like they're like oh i actually can't travel much with my job would you stop dating them yeah probably not i, f I feel like eq like you said and we're just like also yeah like it's really hard if you're like switched on and like i don't know have like deep thoughts about existence and then you fucking go on a date with someone that's philosophers just is still thinking about love island season two <laughs> it's like, literally though like it's hard to find that's not to say you can't be very intelligent and watch love island but like the, the stereotype <laughs> is obviously there i'm imagining the graph of like as intelligence increases and like the likelihood that they watch Love Island. Well, have you seen that, that graph, like? which is applicable to so many things, which is like really thick people, so like 70 <laughs> IQ, think X. Average IQ, 110. Is that whatever, actually a graph? Think, like a thing? Well, it's, it's like a, almost become a meme. No, I But it can be it. applicable to so many things because basically what it says is like thick people, for lack of a better word, think X. Mm -hmm. Average people think Y and really clever people also think X. 
So it's like, there's one example I saw on Twitter recently, it was about, about like Bitcoin. Thick people buy because it goes up. Hmm. Average people that think they're clever but aren't clever. Oh no, don't buy, it's a scam. Yeah. Really clever people buy because it goes up. Yeah. And it's That's so true to so many things. Yeah. And the reason I say that in Love Island is because like, I feel like thick people watch Love Island. People that think they're clever and need to work 18 hours a day wouldn't, wouldn't watch Love Island. But then really clever people would probably just watch it because they know Because they've it's got just time bullshit. as well. Yeah, yeah, do you know what I mean? It's so, awareness, like conscious levels, I Yeah, guess. It, it can be applied to so many things. That exact like graph. And it's like a yeah. meme more than a graph. <laughs> I but, used to see this meme. Um, yeah, it makes the point. But it's so true. Yeah. About so many things. Like even shit like... I used to say to people that had like, like mates that had a normal job, like even my brother in lockdown, like why don't we just go to Amsterdam for a week? And I, I didn't actually say this to him, but they would be like, no, I can't go because I'm yeah. working. Do you have so, that well, issue with like your friends now? Like where it's like you can maybe do certain things that they can't do. Like, would you pay or like well, support them to with you? I've done that in the past, but 95% of my close friends now I do, do similar shit. Yeah, I was going to say your uh, like boys group and stuff, like everyone's pretty yeah, like... Yeah, I've got like friends from home and stuff, but I don't know. I think your friendship group gets smaller as you get older and yeah. then you probably just naturally end up hanging around with people that do similar shit. Have you like lost a lot of friends, would you say? Like, have you cut people out? Like, when since you started, I feel like everyone does, but like mm. how many people have you cut out and like how many like real friends do you reckon you have now I've definitely got a few real friends from like the past that are entrepreneurs um but then yeah I think everyone has a lot of acquaintances especially when you go to like uni and shit yeah. you think you're friends but actually you just live with them because you were put in a place with them <laughs> by, forced. Like, by default <laughs> do you still chat to your uni mates I've, I don't speak Very to like pretty much them. anybody from back home like basically yeah I'd probably speak to like two friends from back home and even then it's quite quite limited I don't know I, 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 yeah I, I, just, I feel like I don't have that many close friends to be fair I'm the same yeah but then you probably like find more people that understand the shit you're interested in over yeah. time but yeah I feel like people that have a lot of friends probably don't have as many friends as they think yeah I think it's like there's like levels to friendship you've got like your core friends like ones that are similar to family where you're like okay ride or die like if I need them they're there for me Mm. if they need me like I'm there for them then you have like the the second layer of friends which are like you probably don't speak all the time yeah you know you could go to them with some stuff but like you wouldn't trust them with like everything and like you kind of stay in contact but it's not that important whether they're in your life or not and then you've got the third layer which is like social friends and like you've got different types in that third circle which are like yeah, yeah, the ones so that true. you do brunches with or the ones that you're clubbing with or the ones that like you want to do like a lads or a girls trip with and you've got like different reasons for those friends yeah I've seen that a lot but like in terms of like real ones it's not many like I would probably count on like one hand like the people that are like genuinely like I know that if I like anything I needed I could go to that person I don't like I don't have many and I don't want more like I'm happy with like a small number Mm. of them like I think it's quite nice to have like a a small group of people that you really love and like know you can trust yeah it's true Uh, yeah I agree like small circle of people really but yeah 
dating's fucking hard. Like, I don't yeah. know, like, people are hard. People, is com- people are complicated. <laughs> people are, people are difficult. Like, sometimes I just consider, like, just being alone. And I'm, like, happy. Like, not even in a depressing way. Yeah, like, I'm you, actually... You live by yourself, don't you? Yeah. I'm, like, pre chill. Like, I love that my online, own. You get stalked. <laughs> broken into. Someone asked, I don't know if you saw it on my Instagram, I did, like, a Q&A uh, yesterday. I put it on my story. And then someone was like, how tall are you and you, do you have a belly button? I saw piercing? that, actually. Yeah, I was like, that was yeah. weird. I feel like you're pre-qualifying me. Like, I'm obviously not your type if I don't have a belly button piercing. And then the second person was like, do you live alone? And I answered it. And then someone, like, two people responded to it and they were like, no, that's creepy. And then I was like, well, actually, <laughs> that is a little bit creepy. Mm. It sounds like asking. I don't know. It's like safety They're probably the same person asking different questions over like five different like, <laughs> Q&As to establish are you like their murder spec. That sounds like, I don't know if you've, I've had some like, I don't know if you do like horror stories on this podcast. Uh, well, I haven't done it, but I fucking love horror stories. Do you want to hear, but this yeah. is a real story though. Well, yeah, share it. It's actually, it gives me chills when I think about it. Oh, uh, it's actually us. dating stories. It kind of falls in with what we we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, are you ready? So there was this- um, Start doing ASMR into the world. Yeah. Yeah. So I was actually I had this when I was in Cape Town, and one of the girls like I went to this co-working space, and there was like a part which was like just for women, which was called Future Females, and it was like part of this whole co-working space. And I became really good friends with this one girl. Went out for dinner, I think maybe a month before I came back to London, and she was telling me a story about one of her friends who met this guy on this dating app, and they were speaking for like three months and going on dates and they hadn't slept together yet so like for three months mm. this girl was like oh, I really like the guy like he's not pushed me at all like he's he wants to take it slow too like he's sus. super chill yeah I know don't, don't believe a guy wants to take it slow for three months um, yeah so like he wanted to take it slow too and she was like t- thought he was like the one and she was like oh my god like it's going really nicely like we go out for dinners um, they lived a little bit away from each other so that's why she hadn't gone back to his house or him to hers because they'd meet halfway Mm. and then there was one night like into the three months where he said like do you want to have dinner at my place tonight like do you want to come over and I I can cook dinner for you like you can stay the night here and then you can um if you don't want to stay like you can get the last bus home or you can stay and like leave in the morning and she was like okay so she was like really excited so she goes to this guy's house right and how the house is laid out is you go through the main door and it's his bedroom first. So you go through his bedroom and then the next part is like a living room. So it's kind of like in a flow, like the whole house, like all on one floor, mm. like his bedroom. Then you walk through and then it's like a living room space with like a kitchen and like a, a bathroom. So she walks through and he was like, I'm so sorry, like my room's super messy. Like, let me go and like tidy it. Give me like 10 minutes because I'm a bit embarrassed. Like just stay in the, on the sofa and yeah. I'll come out at night 10. So she sat in the living room on the couch. She's waiting. He's like, she has, he's like tidying up and stuff. 10 minutes pass and she's like, getting a bit like bored. Like she's just like on her phone. And she like, the door's closed and she like knocks on the door, like shouts his name and he doesn't answer. And she like knocks on the door and she's like are you nearly done he was like hey yeah i'm so sorry like i'm nearly done like give me like another 10 minutes another 10 minutes pass and she's like he's still not said anything and basically she like messages her mum and her mum knows about this guy because she's been dating him so long she was like mom like this guy has like i'm at his house for the first time tonight and he said that he was gonna tidy his bedroom 
And he said he was going to be 10 minutes. He's been in there for like 20 minutes, so like 25 minutes. I don't know what to do. And she was like, just like call me. Like I'll call you on the phone and just keep it on like silent or whatever. Um, mm. Give it five minutes. And like, if it gets to like half an hour and he's still not out, like call the police just to be safe. So the mom calls, she's just on the phone, like silent. Cause she doesn't want like the guy, she's getting a bit scared basically. Mm. And she was like, I'm going to stay quiet. And she just hears like the rustling in his bedroom. She's like, it's just a bit odd. Like I've been by myself now for like 30 minutes. Her mum's like, okay, darling, like call the police. Like just call the police. It doesn't matter if it's stupid, like just like to be safe. Cause like, I'm not close to you, just call them. She calls the police. The police arrive like 10 minutes later and they come into the room where she sat and they're like, are you okay? Like, has anything happened to you? And she was like, no, I'm good. Like, he's just been in there for so long. And they were like, okay, like, we want you to stay calm. We're going to walk you out of the house. Cause she couldn't leave the house. Cause it was like, the door was through his bedroom. So they oh, yeah. were like, that's what, so she was like, kind of like trapped in there. Like she couldn't have left. Cause she would have had to walk through. So they were like, just keep your eyes shut. Like, how did, how did get, they get in? Huh? How did they get in? The police. Yeah. They've like banged through the door. Like they've gone through the door. Like she sat on the other side. Oh, so they've been the through the bedroom. The police have like knocked. Yeah, they've been through. And then they've walked through the bedroom. Oh, and okay. now they're in the right. living room. So she's just heard them like obviously like break in. Cause she was mm. like, there's this guy that I'm on a date with. It's the first time at his house. Like he's been in the bedroom for like 30 minutes. He's not coming out. I'm a bit worried. Like I didn't know what to do. Mm. And they're like, keep your eyes shut. And we're going to have an officer like hold your hand and you're going to walk through the bedroom and then we'll like, well, I'll answer everything to you. She goes through and she's got her eyes closed. And as anybody would, like, you know, you want to take a peek. As she's walking through the bedroom, she like opens one eye and looks to the side. There's newspaper on the windows. The bed's been folded away. And all that is, is plastic all along the floors one singular like desk thing and a saw oh my god and this is a real story (laughs) i've got like goosebumps she goes outside um and the police officers obviously arrest the guy and you can probably assume like what he was planning on doing to her so mad don't trust the people that you match on raya (laughs) that is yeah i did not see that coming yeah, how scary is that? But that happens. Wait, this, this was someone you knew? It was someone that my friend knew. So she told me the story about one of the girls That's that mad. she knew. Fuck. Yeah, I feel mad, like right? That shit probably happened. Like, similar... Fucked up stuff probably happens It must happen every all the day. Time because there's so many people in the world. We just don't know about it. But, like, dating apps, there's so many, like, horror stories. And it's like, how are you supposed to know? And people blame dating apps. Like, I get it. Like, a lot of predators might use it. But also, like, all those people are still real humans that hang out in normal places. Like, a predator on, like, Hinge or Tinder or somebody that is hoping to, like, find a victim. Yeah. They go out to all the places that we go out to. Like... They could be on the street. They could be in the pub. They could be in the restaurant. Like it could be another guy that you give your number to. So it doesn't really like protect you in general, but it's like people are kind of fucked up is the moral of the story. I think. Fuck. Yeah. Sorry. That got a bit dark, but like you said, you wanted the story. Nah, that's a good story. That's like horror episode. I, I, I remember having a weird experience like five years ago on a Tinder date. What? What was the? Yeah, let's talk about like date. It wasn't as weird as that, but. Well, I'd hope not. <laughs> it was in Newcastle. I remember going to meet this girl before going out, but then I was like outside her house for like twenty five minutes, 
and it was one the similar thing. So I remember at this, I just remembered this. I've not thought about this for years. Cause I, yeah, I remember her saying like, oh, I'm nervous or whatever, like wait outside. And I was like, five minutes, okay. Wait outside, wait outside for ages. And then I hear someone shouting my name from like another building, like half an hour later. This is like nighttime, like a different voice. I'm not thinking what the fuck is going on. And then I bumped into her like a day later or who I thought was her. Wait, did you go home then? Yeah, I was like, fuck this, I'm going home. So So we just cancelled it. Yeah. I'm trying to think what happened now. And then, because I remember little bits of it. I remember, yeah, yeah, like she texted me saying like, ha, 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 like I do this all the time or some shit. And I was like, what the fuck's going on? But then I bumped into the girl that I thought it was or I just randomly crossed paths with her and like stopped in the street and she didn't know who the fuck I was. Or so she was claiming. Catfish. So it was either some weird catfish. I reckon it was like some bloke. That's so creepy. What was the voice? Was it a male voice or a female Don't voice? Don't remember, to be name? honest. It just wasn't, that's wasn't her. Well, I'm glad her. you're alive. <laughs> yeah, that's the only weird one, to be fair. Um, that, that, that just reminded me. That's so... That is kind of weird. That's scary, though. I don't know. From years ago. Yeah, it's Dating's not that bad, weird. Yeah, it is. Have you ever any any weird ones? Not really. I don't really date much like I'm actually really I used to be super super shy like really introverted Hmm. I'm really happy like alone like the thought of going on a date with somebody that I don't know I'd prefer I'd genuinely prefer to order Wingstop and watch a movie and sit by myself in my apartment yeah like the the appeal of like first dates is lost to me um so I don't really date like all I've been on a few dates yeah but I've never had have I had a bad date? Not really. I've been quite lucky, I guess, but I have not dated enough to like yeah. have bad dates. So I've not really had any bad experiences. And I've been in a relationship, I was in a relationship for like three years. And I didn't, I didn't go on my first date till I was probably like 20, 20. I think my first ever proper, proper date was with my ex-boyfriend. That he had been on any before. Oh, really? I was super shy. I used to just do sports. Like I was around lots of guys for like in the sport that I was doing, but it wasn't like romantic. It was just like boys were always like mates to me, like friends. Yeah. I never used to say yes. Like I was super awkward with like dates and romantic stuff. Like really shy. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. I've had a few bad days, but nothing weird. Apart from that. We're lucky. We've not had like weird shit happen. There's probably a lot of stuff like, yeah, whenever I watch like a horror film, I think this is definitely happening like within a mile of me or something. That's scary. Or within a few Do you miles. Like horror films? Yeah, I oh, fucking love no, horror. I, I want to make a horror film actually. No I, I, way. I started making a horror film called. The I can't Sa- support you. Like I can't the come to the premiere because I'm not guilty. When I was 16, it. we filmed. I say we, me and a bunch of friends. I forced to be actors in it. Filmed, Wait, you've got a horror film? No, I filmed like the opening sequence to one I was writing when I was like 15, <laughs> 15, 16, and then we filmed. I filmed the opening sequence on an iPhone 4, but I've, no lo- I've lost the footage. Oh, I was going to say, I always say, joked that it was like, like, play, it was like play haunted. Play it now, I was like, B-roll. <laughs> yeah, it was called The Sacred Woman. The what? The Sacred Woman. What was it about? Just like an old lady, like a haunted lady. Oh God, that actually scares me. I, I actually love, I actually had a mask. I used to be fucking weird. I used to, I had a, a mask of this character. I used to just put it on when like, people came around the house. Please don't so scare. Imagine this is a perfect setup. Like, ask someone to have a podcast. It's like perfect setup yeah, to like hurt them. I don't have it, but <laughs> yeah, I, I reckon like one day I'll just make a horror film just for me. 
I'll just just, like, be, just play it by yourself every weekend. I just think it's so, like, I don't know, This it's just so sick. Like the excitement of like fear. I don't know. I feel like a lot of people find fear addictive. Like they must do. Otherwise it wouldn't, there wouldn't be like a, a market for it. But like, yeah, I don't know. I love psychological thrillers. Yeah, I true. can't do I probably horror. Like thrillers like, more in a way. Pure gore. I love storylines. Yeah, and like suspense. not gore. Like my favorite horror film. I like Hereditary. That's a good film. It's like I fucking think I, dark. I don't know if I, I it's kind of like have my eyes closed. From, is there like, but, does her head spin or something at one no, point? No, that's the exorcist. Oh. I think. Is that the girl her head who gets walks like off backwards? She hits, she hits like a thing and then, then the mum's like upside down. The mum chops the Hereditary chops I have off. seen with the girl who's got problems. Right? Yeah, yeah, she's like. Oh, oh yeah, no, I, I remember that. I have, yeah, I have, oh no, that gives me shivers. The cloak. Yeah. Don't like it. That ruined that sound. For People listening well. to this on earphones. Gonna be like. <laughs> gonna have shivers. Oh. But no, that's a good film. No. Yeah, I just like that's horrors. like the idea of like nightmare. Like, that's actually torture. If somebody wanted to talk, actually, I'm not going to give this to the public because I'm just I'm you inviting alone, people in. You don't like being. <laughs> there's on all dates. there's 24 hour concierge in the yeah, building exactly. I live in. <laughs> yeah, definitely not putting your address on. Mm-mm. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, I'd like to make a horror film. Maybe I should base it in South Africa and base it on that. That's quite a good concept. I'm not going to lie. It would actually be quite a good, yeah. But maybe make it a little bit like there's more to it. Like she doesn't get away like that straight away. Yeah, you could have it like he tries 10 different girls. Like and she loses like one, one. finger. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Then maybe like a, a Ted Bundy vibe mixed with that Yeah, plot. fuck. Like that whole torture shit as well. I used to watch like Saw highlights on like YouTube because my oh. parents would never let me watch it. I just don't I like understand people like you. Like I w- I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I never understood it. I was like, how I'm can... I'm not as into it now. I'm not... Like, I don't know how you could ever just, like. I used to find it intriguing. Like, my best childhood that. friend was obsessed with the sores, and like I'd literally rather like I'd cry. Like people must love it because it wouldn't be a thing otherwise. But like imagine like what scares me more is that people exist that can think of that stuff. The amount of murders that have been inspired by that. That's also another issue, and that's the same with a lot of things. Like even with like Hannibal and like I love Hannibal. Did you see Hannibal like the series? I've actually never seen it. I've never seen the films. I've heard of it. And you say you Hannibal like Lecter. that's yeah, actually a bit embarrassing like, for you. Something. Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, Silence of the Lambs. Okay, you can't have watched Saw and not seen that classic, like, psychological thrillers. And like, oh. No, yeah. Hannibal's amazing. There's like a Hannibal series on Netflix. I was watching it with um, my best friend. And then it got a bit too scary. And then we were both like having sleepovers and getting nightmares at the same time. So I was like, she yeah. won't stop watching it. But the, the plot... It's so good. Like storylines are what makes it. I hate horror films purely because it's like gore for the sake of it. Like, there's yeah. no reasoning behind it. There's a lot of like it. American slashes that are just shit. Mm. There's a lot of like, is it like the Korean stuff which is really fucked up? Yeah. Like Korean I saw that Squid movies. Game recently. I watched what did you week. think of Squid Game? I loved it. I thought it was pretty good. And I watched it by myself and it wasn't I too bad. I watched it by myself over like two nights. Yeah, I literally like binged it in like 48 hours. Like same. Yeah, I think it's cool. I think it was actually... If you, I've like, been to research, South Korea and it was so sick. I think you mentioned that the other, like on with when we were with Fred and Tyler, you mentioned yeah. South Korea. I'd love so to go. I've been to Tokyo three times, but I went to South Korea once and it's like Tokyo, but without any English signs. It's yeah. like more native Like culturally, Asian. like you're just yeah. immersed. Yeah. What's ne- it like though? Just fucking like, I'd just say like neon lights and cold Like air. futuristic. Does it feel like you're in the future? Yeah, I, I've always liked that sort of like, Tokyo and like Korea aesthetic. Yeah. I mean, I've seen it, like your branding and stuff. That you yeah, mentioned. it's cool. But then, yeah, I, I, we went to something where you look through binoculars at yeah. North Korea. 
I'm not joking. There was, I really? can see slaves in the field. Wow. Yeah, I'm not joking. Unless they were just that's great because you can like, actually you can tour North Korea. It was like three miles away over the border. We went to the border, but then at the border they let you go. Did so you not want closeness. to go in because you can't. You're not allowed to film. Even though I think you it was do that like lad a day trip, uni lad did But it. I thought fuck th- fuck this because there's some story of like some American student going in and never coming back. I don't know. It's a bit creepy, isn't it? I kind of like the whole like journalist aspect, like a, a, something about being like an undercover journalist. Is that like, Simon Wilson? I'd like to get him on the podcast. Actually, he's a fucking legendary YouTuber. He does like the weirdest travel shit. I'm pretty can sure you he sent me to... some of his stuff. That sounds cool. Yeah, he does like weird shit. He just went to North Korea by himself. Yeah, I think that's super interesting. But like, do you I mean, like Louis Thoreau? Pretty sure it was North Korea. Yeah, de- definitely it was North Korea. I'd be too scared. In case, like, Kim came out and fucking decided to lock <laughs> Kim me up. Kim just jumps out. I'm pretty sure they have, like, um, a big post. It's, like, a big thing that has, like, Kim Jong-un. Yeah, and if you don't bow to it or something, it's, like, game over. Like, yeah. And you're not supposed to film. But it was, like, Unilad or something. They had a guy, yeah. one of their, like, journalists go, and he was, like, kind of filming it. Yeah. But you're not allowed to. But he's super interesting. Like, I'd love to do it for, like, like that corruption shit. stuff. Like, if there's underground, like, you like, human trafficking... Like things that like matter that people don't talk about. Yeah. But that's be so dangerous. Be so dangerous. Like that, that shit happened. Like it's get Kim Jong-un scary on the podcast. Happens. Kimmy. I Kim. probably shouldn't even say that. It's probably, it probably get this, my channel deleted or something. Do you think? Got YouTube under his thumb. Maybe. Maybe get a strike. Like COVID. Yeah, true, true. <laughs> you yeah. can't mention anything. You're not allowed to mention that sort of shit. Have you spoken about C in any of your interviews? In the old ones we used to. Did you, like, there's been a few, like, quite a lot of people that have had their accounts banned, taken down, their Instagrams, like, fucked with, like, because of mentioning it. That's mad. Yeah, that's a whole other podcast, to be fair. Like, I was going to say, I could speak about that for, like, hours. The whole media COVID thing, but I did have COVID, felt like I had a cold, and then I got better. Did you lose sense of, like, taste or I, I did I say a cold. It was about, definitely, like, I felt fucking ill, to be fair. But yeah, I couldn't smell or taste. For how long? Do you remember? Like a week. That's not too bad. I've lost... I was um, smelling like deodorant and like aftershave and I couldn't smell it. I put it in my nose. That's kind of scary. Yeah, it was kind of weird to be fair. And like taste, like losing taste. Yeah, I was in bed for like five days, which is like a world record for me. (laughs) Kind of like, I guess it's just like a flu. Like, but people have like reacted to it differently. It was bad, but have you heard it? And I've literally... I travelled a lot as well. Like I went into so many different countries yeah. and I've not had it. And I've been around so many people not had it. Like I've had a few like colds, like two colds. That's it. Like I lost my sense of taste in my mouth, but that's because I got all four of my wisdom teeth removed. Oh shit. <laughs> and I literally couldn't taste in half my mouth. And I was like, I can empathise with people that had lost it from COVID or whatever. But yeah, it's mad. Yeah, that's close as I've been to it. Like, I've been fine. Yeah, shit. Right, well, to bring it back briefly before we wrap up then, because I could go on a tangent for about six years about North Korea alone. How long have we spoken for? About an hour and 40. That's pretty decent yeah, poddy. Pretty. Yeah. yeah. Um, what's the plan over the next year then? I always ask, I've, I've got a new theme. I, I ask that sort of question at the end. My plan in terms of like business, personal, just everything overall. Yeah, yeah. Um... I don't know, like in terms of work over the next 12 months is to launch the high ticket info products, launch, I've got like two launches in the next like few months, we've got like the the media company launching in the next 30 days, like in November, 
high ticket info product for the LinkedIn thing. Um, and then I also want to, for the agency, we want to use the high ticket info product to then train virtual assistants and place them into client accounts. So mm-hmm. for example, if someone goes through it and they're like, okay, they've had somebody trained and they want to outsource it to an agency or they want to hire a VA, the VA that works for me, she, we're basically like, in, she's based in the Philippines. There's a bunch of other virtual assistants who don't have experience with LinkedIn, but there's like lots of companies looking for it. We're going to get her to put all of these VAs through the training that I've created and then we're going to place them into like companies. So they're going to pay kind of like a recruitment thing. Yeah. Um, so that's like the next branch for the agency. That's like the work stuff. I want to take the media company to like a million subs or whatever across all our platforms in the first 12 months. Like we've got a big goal, but like, I really want to blow that up. Like that's important to me. And then personal, I don't really have any, like in terms of personal goals, like depending on travel wise, like I'd like to go, back to spending like six months in London, six months abroad. Yeah. And like be in a place financially where I don't even have to like think about it, where I can just be like, oh, I can put six months down on a place up front and like have just a six month contract instead of having a break clause or have two places mm. and then just alternate between them. Yeah. Um, Maybe like sublet if I can in some way. I don't know. So yeah, that's kind of it. I don't really have like huge goals. It's mainly just like the business stuff and then like, being happy I want to do base camp that's like a random other goal a girl that works with me one of the teams she just Everest did. yeah she just not base the camp. team management software no that's not <laughs> I was thinking that no um base camp yeah I actually used to use base camp yeah. as well um no I'd love to do like a few other random things like I'd like to do ever passenger like a, a silent retreat mm. um would be really cool and then do like base camp um just do some like wholesome shit, you know, yeah. like reconnect, maybe ayahuasca. Interesting. I was going to say that. Yeah. Just cause I'm terrified of it. Like I'm always, I've always been really scared of like drugs. I could just get anxiety around things that I can't control. Like, even roller coasters are a thing that I came over quite recently. Mm. Um, but ayahuasca, like I'd love to go down a path of just like the psych. We spoke about this earlier, like psychedelics, yeah, maybe even microdosing. LSE, like really going into like the biohacking side of things. I think once financially I'm coasting at where I'm happy and I've hit like financial goals, I'll be like, okay, like what what cool shit can I do to like make my body like- You probably take ayahuasca and then realize why was I waiting to hit financial goals to do that shit? Yeah. There'll be some weird- Yeah, it'll be some weird angle. like inception stuff. But yeah. I think like maybe pushing myself to do things like, like ayahuasca would be a big thing for me to do because it scares mm. the shit out of me. Um, but like self-development and like I guess like trauma exploration and what you need to do by the sounds of it is go to North Korea do a shitload <laughs> of psychedelics Kim. <laughs> meet Kim in North come Korea come back move to some obscure place six months a year and then you set yeah something like that a good mix me happiness for life that's what I feel like I could probably finish everything that I wanted to do in like a lifetime in the next few years and I've got nothing to do Oh, maybe keep North Korea for a bit later I feel like North Korea is going to be like the, the cherry on top like maybe yeah. North Korea is like for my 30th birthday my gift to myself is going to be like a tour with Kim yeah something like that <laughs> there'll probably be like you can go to Mars by then do you know what I mean like North Korea 100%. will be like old news they'll probably happen like, in the next like few years right he's going to Pluto right? with Branson's airline or some shit did you see the um, Elon thing with like the human bots yeah he did like the the tour like the, not the tour, like the thing where he like presents it. Yeah. Similar to like the car with like the, um, 
Just like the bulletproof glass, but the yeah. guy smashed it with yeah, the hammer yeah. and it was a bit awkward. <laughs> yeah, it's mad. Technology's fucked. Like, it's actually like the exponential shit over it's like crazy. our lifetimes, provided I don't die young. Like the, <laughs> it's going to yeah. be like... I guess that's like Dave Asprey's thing, right? Like mm-hmm. obviously like bulletproof and like doing all the biohacking stuff. Even like stem cell technology, like we can grow tracheas, like we can grow organs and do like organ replacement with stem cells. So we don't even, we're not going to need like real people to donate in the yeah. future probably. It's fucking mad. Can you imagine like being able to replace your skin or like you free, like a lot of people like cryo, like they freeze themselves yeah. after they die. Like we're probably going to be able to regenerate like snakes, like grow new skins at some point. Yeah, it's actually mad. Jeez, we could go on a whole lot of a tangent about yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, I feel, you're like, before we wrap this up and I'm like, so technology, <laughs> Kim, yeah, and internal fuck. happiness. How do you feel about that? Yeah, they're all good topics. Um, yeah, I'll have to do a part two or something at some point. Yeah. <laughs> I'll come on your podcast before I get so million subscribers. Yeah, I was going to say. Before, to start it first. Before, before you get too big. When are you starting it? We're filming the first episode on Saturday. Oh shit. Who's we? As in like the team. So are you the main, you the host? Yeah, I'm like the host and I've got my business partner. I've got somebody who's doing content management. That's probably a lot higher production value than this shit. No, like we've got like some good equipment and stuff. We've got a videographer coming down. Um, so we've got like a little team in place mm. and that'll be cool. The first guest, he's a friend of mine, but he's super interesting big audience like he's gonna be he's like the perfect person for us to have on as like a first guest for like the kind of image and brand we want to set for ourselves so he's number one he's got like the test I'm like bro like keep four hours of your day free like I'll take you for dinner afterwards just come do this let's talk you give me feedback and then we'll line up like three four people like in a row afterwards so I'm excited we're both gonna be podcast hosts and then you'll come on as a guest yeah you got to practice on this one yeah, Daddy. Okay. Yeah, it's good. Okay, cool. Speak very well, very well. Thank you. I guess with that said, before we bloody dive into North Korea and Elon Musk, <laughs> future technologies, and ayahuasca, um, we'll wrap it up there. Then what was that? Episode nine. And yeah, listen to this wherever the fuck you want. Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube. It's hard to measure a podcast because it's on YouTube and other platforms. Yeah, I was but gonna- yeah, because. Yeah, I, I guess just listen to it, share it. Andy Fasella used to listen to his podcast, and he's always he'd always say like just share it at the start. That was like his his payment, his fee. <laughs> so yeah, with that said, hope you enjoyed, and see you in the next episode. Cheers for watching. Cheers for listening. Bye. <laughs>